What's up, guys? Welcome into a training camp edition of Chargers Weekly. Money finally away from the Zoom in person. And this is a, a training camp tradition. We kick it off with Tom Telesco every year. I think it's like the sixth year we've done this, Tom. We usually do it on the picnic bench behind us. So yeah. this, is a, this is an we upgrade. The heat, we got the yeah. heated lights now, you know? Yeah. You're rocking the diehard Bolt Club too, sure. I love it. Every year, the first day of training camp, I shouldn't say every year, probably the last three or four years, it shows up on my desk the first day. I don't know how it gets there. I don't know who brings it in. I have no idea, but it shows up and then <laughs> I'm gonna wear it. it. <laughs> yeah, I put it on. Well, the good news is the Navy of the Die Hard Bolt Club is really connecting with the sun. That is yeah, that in 100% right cotton. Now. So when yeah. we say we're gonna make Tom sweat during this interview, we mean literally he's gonna sweat, but it has nothing to do with the questions. Uh, I'll start with this. I'm just, I've been watching the defense these first two days and Looks like you got some real depth on that side of the ball. Like there's some young guys, you're free agents. I mean, and that obviously is a great thing and it makes it tough when we're talking three, four weeks from now, just sort of your observations of it's not pads or anything, yeah. but just what you've seen out there from some of the young guys in the new faces. Yeah, well, I'll say this, just to give some perspective, since the beginning of football, whenever that was, the first week of training camps or in the first couple of days, the defense is always flying around. They're always ahead of the offense. Yep. It, it's like, Every time. I mean, so um, if they're out there celebrating, which is great, you know, the offense is just trying to figure things out. It will start to balance out as we get towards the end of the week. But, um, yeah, obviously a lot of, a lot of upgrades on, on defense. When I say upgrades, more that fit the style that we need to play with this defense. So, um, so a lot of changes. We need this training camp on defense just to get used to playing with each other with the, the amount of new faces. And what we've seen the last couple of days, I mean, they're going to make our offense better. Uh, there's not a whole lot of big windows to throw in, throw into right now. Um, so, you know, both those sides are really going to work. But we need a lot of work on defense this training camp because the amount of new people that we have to get ready to go. I think the biggest difference I see from last year to this year is the increased competition at, at certain spots. And the secondary is a perfect example of that. Maybe guys who didn't have to be pushed as much last year, there's more guys in that secondary, let's say, for instance, to, to make everybody better. Yeah, I mean, there is, there's two ways that, that depth really helps, obviously. One is if you have some injuries, if you have some players that don't play the way you thought they're going to play to have people to step up and go. Um, we know we'll need more than 53 players this year as we go on through the season. Um, but yeah, people pushing each other, like we're seeing it at, at running back, you know, we just we dropped Isaiah Spiller and, and, you know, that whole group is now kind of, you know, rising up. I'm going to bring them up, buddy. Yeah, everyone's exactly competing well. so hard. I mean, Josh Kelly and, and Larry Roundtree, everyone's kind of competing real hard. So, um, but that, that's how you get better as a football team and player development is having everybody pushing everybody else. And you try and get that every position. Um, it takes a little time to get there. I was doing an interview with, with uh, Sirius XM earlier and just talking about, you know, as we moved from the Philip Rivers era and now into the Justin Herbert era, um, it takes more than a year to try and get to where you want to go. So it's taken a couple of years to try and get the talent level up. You know, it's a big difference with the team when you're building around Philip, you know, a veteran quarterback, you know, experienced different contract as well to a, now a younger quarterback um, you've got to build a team a little bit differently so it's taken us a couple of years to get there we're much closer now getting the weeds uh, a little bit here and I, again it's two practices it's no pads but just you mentioned Isaiah Spiller and every now and then someone kind of raises their hands it looks like Dean Leonard's he, he was sticky out there and he's got you see someone in person and you see their build and how they move and it's just different than than seeing him on on TV or something just walk us through kind of your evaluation of him what you saw and and why you liked him enough to, to draft him yeah you know when you get in those later rounds you're really relying on your area scouts uh, to see just a couple traits that I think could, could translate to this level um, and with him like he's long long arms tall and like I said, a really smooth athlete and runs well. So um, 
we need some of these younger corners to really step up. We're gonna have great competition at that spot. We need a lot of corners in this league. You just yeah. do, you gotta cover. I know we signed JC Jackson, but we need more um, than just our core group. Um, we gotta rush and cover. We have some rushers, we gotta cover better. And those young guys are gonna have to come through. Dean's shown well. Taylor from Wake Forest has shown really well. Some other guys have too. They'll get a big opportunity in the preseason games. Those guys are gonna play a lot. Um, you know, I'm assuming, you know, JC and those guys, not as much. Um, so those guys got to take a step, but they have some of that physical skills that are just hard to find, you know, kind of season them, develop them a little bit and see how far they can take it. You mentioned the, the transition from the Phillip Rivers era to the Justin Herbert era. Really on defense too, though, you have a completely different scheme that was being played here from, you know, the past several years to yep. when Brandon comes in. Um, it's going to take different personnel. So um, I don't know if you could just speak to how different the defense looks this year, the concerted effort you guys made both in the draft and free agency to kind of make this defense in Brandon's image. Yeah, I mean, there's there's different styles of defense in our league. Gus's uh, defense does a great job. It's just a different style than Brandon's defense. Um, just like there's some other coordinators out there, it's just different styles. So different style of defense requires different style of players. It's just kind of the way it works. But last year, it's hard to turn over a roster in one year to get everything in the Joel Lombardi style and Ronaldo Hill style and Brandon Staley. It's just just difficult to do. So um, it took some work to try and get there. We're closer this past off season, and now like we got a lot of work to do with these guys because we got players. I know some of them have some familiarity with either with the system or with Brandon, but we're putting a lot of new people together. Um, there's a lot of com a lot of communication that goes on in practice and in games that we got to work through. Um, but I'm excited at where we are with these guys and even. You know, adding Kyle Van Noy when we did um, is an exciting piece. You know, he does so many different things. You know, we call him like a Swiss Army knife. He can play outside linebacker, he can play inside linebacker. He's so smart and instinctive, just knows the game extremely well. He's tough. It's been an environment that wins. So um, adding some key parts there to this defense is exciting. You mentioned um, how versatile he is, and I know when you signed him, you talked about the experience, the championship pedigree, the lead, you know, all that, the leadership, all of that. Um, I've just I've seen him now two days in a row. It's just all been inside. Is he kind of like a? Is that where you think he's going to play most of his snaps, or is it a break in case of emergency on the outside? Like, what do you think the vision is for him? Yeah, this it's year? kind of a work in progress because when we signed him, it really was because he can do a lot of different things. Uh, we're looking for some more help on the edge, and he's done that. Um, but we also know he's played inside. So through the course of this season, more than likely he's going to be playing both spots, and we'll just kind of figure out where it goes. He took a lot of snaps outside. In OTAs, he's taking some more snaps inside here. We'll get it figured out. The thing with him, like, you can put him anywhere, get him a little bit of work, he'll be ready to go. I mean, he's he's really fun to watch practice because yeah. he's just so smart. He was calling things out. He sees things quickly. Um, so, but yeah, he's gonna have a role. It's just a matter of where it's gonna be. He's gonna be on the field though. When we talk about right tackle, obviously, it's been a topic of conversation among fans, and I think people are excited about Trey Pipkins and you know Storm Norton's obviously back. When you drafted Trey in 2019, he was a guy that wasn't expected to make any immediate impact. Small school kid. Now that we're here in year four, um, I don't know if you could just take us through what you've seen this offseason. It seems like he's been working a lot on his own to, to get ready for 2022. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things we like about Trey, but he's got great drive and, de and determination to be a great player. And yeah, he had some development to do when we took him and we knew that. Um, but last year, uh, when he got a chance to go in and play in the regular season games, he really showed out. He played really well. Kansas City. Kansas City was one of them, playing, you know, going against good rushers. So, um, and Storm Norton did a heck of a job for us last year. I, I think, you know, when, when you play outside in this league, you get some of these pass rushers, it's not an easy task. Um, 
he held his own for us and played some really good football, especially in the middle of the season um, against some really good people. So, you know, those two guys will play with each other, um, kind of see where it goes from there. You know, that's, like training camp is, for some guys, it's, it's probably a little more important than others. Certainly different roles, trying to figure out where we are with those. But those guys are going to need a lot of work. We've got Dallas coming in with really good players. So yeah. we'll see how it plays out. They're both going to play more than likely in, diff- in some sort of role. Um, so, but I'm, I'm excited about both those guys. Is that, uh, is, is it limited to those two? Because, I mean, obviously we know when you drafted, you know, Jamar Sawyer, he played tackle and guard. You drafted Hymas, he played yeah. tackle. Is it, are they in the mix at all, or is it really just Trey and Storm? Right, right now, those two, those two guys are working. You know, who knows moving forward, if you start moving some guys around, we would never limit it and say right. no. Uh, but right now, th- just those two guys, they're kind of splitting their reps with the ones and with the twos, really. Um, and don't forget with with Storm. Storm is a you know developmental player right. too. I mean, he had one training camp before he went to the AAF and played one full season there, and they came in here and won a job and and you know did a heck of a job for us last year. I want to go um, go back to the the rookies and you know special teams. You have a new coordinator. A lot of energy out there, by the way, with your uh, yeah. with your new coordinator. A lot of fun to watch. Um, but you know you've always kind of had that standout, almost you know all pro Pro Bowl player, be it you know Dzubner. Derek Watt, and you know, last year Neiman certainly flashed, but Xander Horvath and just kind of his pedigree, right? Former linebacker, converted to a fullback, moves really well. Is that kind of? Are we reading that right? Is that kind of like that Derek Watt that, that you're looking for to get back on this roster? Well, the fullback position, at least with our team, and, and it's kind of the way the league has gone. You have to be a good special teamer, just because you don't have enough snaps as a true fullback to really carry to dress on game day. So if you can't contribute on special teams. You're probably not dressing. We'll have to use somebody else in the backfield, whether it's another tight end, right. we'll throw a guard back there. I don't know, yeah. but so um, and that's kind of what Derek. And that was one of the reasons why we loved Derek Watts. We felt like he could be a good special teamer. With all these college players, you just don't really know because there's so much like like Derek and with with Xander, they've got the size, the strength, the speed, and the will and the want to. But it's that awareness and instincts of covering kicks and punts that. You just don't get in the college level. First of all, the punt game is completely different at our level than it is in college. But there's so much feel and awareness that you need at this level on special teams that has to be developed while they're here. That Derek Watt was not the special teams player his rookie year that he was at the end. He really came along and became a Pro Bowl player at it. So we need to find out in the preseason which of our guys can do that. You know, Nick Neiman did a great job for us last year. OTAs, you can't see a whole lot as far as who can cover, who can't. You can see up here how they kind of especially the punt team, how they process. But we'll know in the preseason. But, yeah, for the fullback spot, you got to be able to contribute there. You just can't get a uniform. How important is DeAndre Carter, not only special teams, but the fact that you could probably play him at wide receiver in spots? Yeah, super excited to sign him. Um, and Lewis Clark, our pro director, came down to my office one day. He's like, hey, you know, DeAndre is still out there. And um, he had a great year with the Redskins last year. Yeah. Dual punt or dual returner. But they use him on offense probably maybe the most in his career, and he really produced. Like four or five touchdowns. Yeah. You know, sometimes players just need an opportunity, you know, to get on the field. And especially if you're a really good special teams player, sometimes you get typecast as that, and then you don't get used as much on offense. But what we saw so far in the spring is is we think there can be a role for him on offense as well. I mean, he's going to be hopefully win our return job, but he can get some snaps on offense in the slot, even outside. He's quick. He's fast. He can separate. He had some production last year with, with the Redskins. Uh, I don't know how, how – 
deep you want to get into it, but but coach addressed it, you know, pretty straightforward yesterday. He said Derwin's out here, he's coaching, he's excited, but until that contract's done, you know, you're, what you see is what we're going to get. Kind of what can you share with us? We're taping this on Thursday morning after after practice, after training camp. Anything you can kind of share with us about how you feel about where that all is and when we might see Derwin put a helmet on? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you'd like everybody out here working, but it's just, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's not something that... Uh, that's new in this league, so it's just it's just a process we got to work through. Um, he's going to be here, you know. We all love him, we want him here. We just got to figure out on our end how to make sure we get that done, make sure he gets what he deserves, and then it's our job to figure out how we build everything around it. Um, but it's a process with with contracts. I hate when it, you're into summer and training camp, but when you do an extension, sometimes this happens um, where it gets to this point of the season. But it's nothing we haven't been through before. We'll get it figured out. Is it similar to Joey? It feels like at least the timing right now is sort of similar. You know, the one thing with, with Joey and then even with Keenan is is we're, we were in that pandemic time too. So a lot of stuff that you wanted to do in the spring, you couldn't do. Right. Um, so that, that kind of affected those two. But yeah, every now and then if you're doing an extension, sometimes it goes into training camp. That's just the way that it is. And the type of player that he is, that's just kind of the way it worked out. But we'll get it figured out hopefully sooner than later and uh, get him ready to go. But as you can see, you know what a great teammate he is, and you know. I was not... going to say when you when you have classy guys and everybody yeah. knows what what it is. Yes. it doesn't mean it's and, a distraction. No, and usually <laughs> you, you get things figured out. Yeah, um, we'll get to it now. A couple weeks ago, uh, the Athletic released a podcast uh, about Andrew Luck, and I managed to to burn through it. It was so good. We were talking before you came on. You mentioned yeah. you listened to it too, so at least you have that reference. Well, we talked about I, it for like an hour in the middle of July. I got a little so. geek on it. <laughs> and I got geek because, A, it's a great podcast, and I'll plug it again by Zach Kiefer and The Athletic. You all should listen to it. It's it's just an incredible story about, as I mentioned on that pod, the best college football player I've ever watched in my life. Um, and I got a chance to see him quite a bit. But as I'm listening through those six episodes, one, it occurred to me that you were a major part of the decision makers that decided we're going to move on from a guy that's as much a face of a franchise as any face of the franchise in the history of football. And we're going to draft a guy that's an unknown. I mean, the prospect is great. If you Do you mind kind of talking about what that, because you've done it with Philip now, and, and we, we started drawing all these parallels. Yeah. And you Phillip listened and to the pod, right? I did. I did. And, and I'll plug it, too. I thought I was outstanding. Yeah. Um, I had a... I listen to very few podcasts. This one just has some interest. I listened to the first like 10, 15 minutes and I got hooked and I listened to the whole thing. It was neat for me because you know, I was there for you know one year of that, that process, but just kind of thinking back of things that happened and things that went on and I thought it was just so well done, so detailed, it was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's almost unprecedented the way that whole situation set up, especially with, 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 uh, with Peyton's injury at the time, which was just so unpredictable, of, you know, how it was gonna turn out. Um, thank God it turned out well enough we could keep on playing. But you know, I can say at the time you just you just didn't know. And obviously we had the you know the first pick of the draft and you know Andrew Luck's available. Um, and by the way, RG3 I, was an outstanding college football player. I mean I loved him. I went to saw him, saw him live twice his junior I assume it was his junior year down at Baylor. Um, and Washington gave up a hole yeah, to move to two. I mean really I mean loved him. Um, but you know you got two guys there because even I think at the end of the year we lost our last game of the year. I think there was a chance if we won that last two, game yeah. we could have the second pick. You know, but we loved RG three too. But um, but to see Andrew that first year and to see how that team played together behind a rookie quarterback uh, with a team that was really you know Bill Point had been let go, Ryan Grixon had come in, 
Um, so the team changed a lot, and we had you know new coaching staff. We had players from all over the place, and we have a rookie quarterback. And then our head coach gets sick, and he's out. And Bruce Arians is now the interim head coach. And you know we got a rookie quarterback who just never wavered. You know he was just so good from the neck up, and then just you know physically just so talented. Um, you know, but I thought it was just a fascinating podcast. It was, I love, actually, I love the history of football, but it's even kind of neat when I kind of look back and like, yeah, I was part of that. I was, you know, into that decision process, that decision, but kind of in the middle of that. And um, yeah, certainly an interesting time to look back on. Well, the, the parallels in this league, I mean, like 10 years later, eight years later, whatever it is, the Chargers go from Phillip Rivers to Justin Herbert. Two, yeah. two guys from the Pac-12 and Luck and Herbert, highly intelligent, Sky's the limit, and, and here we are with, with Justin Herbert in year three. The only difference that Money and I were talking about, the offensive line here, you've made a concerted effort to get guys around to protect Justin. Yeah, you have to. You know, you, you learn from history. But it's funny, you look back at, like, like when Dan Faust was here and he played for, what, you know, four, I don't even know, 14, 15 years. Then they had, like, a gap there, yeah. like three or four years till they got to Stan Humphreys. Like, three or four years for a GM, like, if there's that long of a gap, they're gonna, somebody else would be in my chair. <laughs> right. Um, Stan Humphreys came in, they go to a Super Bowl, then another gap again before they got to the Drew Brees, um, Phillip Rivers era. You know, luckily we didn't have that big a gap um, between the Phillip Rivers era and now Justin Herbert. Um, but, you know, quarterbacks make your team go, but they're so hard to find. And you do need some luck involved too. Pardon you know, the pun. Yeah. No, yeah, pardon <laughs> the pun, which, you know, the Colts had, I mean, the Colts had great success and the one year they have the number one pick, Andrew Luck is, you know, coming out in the draft. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's just, and it's just, you know, that's, Watching this team from from the you know I guess early 70s to now the quarterback play has been incredible with like two gaps that's yeah, it yeah we um I was wondering and I don't know if this this is me speculating but I said I wonder just because everybody that I've been around that's been around Andrew Luck just they, they gush about the individual and the person and I and look I know you want your team to be successful but there is something about you know when you feel that connection and you feel like this is a special human being I'm going to do everything I can to take care of him because he's taking care of us. If there, and I wondered if that went into just the way you immediately built the offensive line after Justin's first year. And I'm sure you would have done it anyway, but if there were ties, hey, we can spend this money here or we can draft this person here, but man, there's Zion Johnson and we've got Justin Herbert. Did that come into play? And do you think what you saw that first year from Andrew, that may have kind of sure. given you perspective yeah, as well? Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Um, and you've seen it with other young quarterbacks when they come in the league. Um, if they don't have great protection and their clock has to speed up really early in their career, you know, things aren't always pretty. So yeah, you learn from your past experiences. Um, so we want to make sure we have people around our quarterback. And that's why Corey Lindsley is such a big signing for us to pair our young quarterback with a veteran center who's so smart and a, and a great football player. And those two work together. Um, I was telling the team, the first day when we met, you know, I made some comparisons to the early Bills of the, or the early 90s Buffalo Bills, which mm. if you're 30 years and under, they weren't even alive when they played. But, <laughs> right. but I was just talking about when, you know, Jim Kelly early in his career, the Bills assigned a big time for agent at the time, Kent Hull from the USFL. And they signed Kent because of his intangibles. He was so smart and they ran the no huddle offense and him and Jim would work together on that um, to move that. And that center quarterback relationship is so important. So it was so you know when Corey was available, the guy to pair our quarterback with our young quarterback that was so important, and then just you got to protect him, and you got to have some semblance of a run game to make sure you don't have to drop back and throw it 50, 60 times a game. It's funny. So like that was the other in that podcast. I don't. I, th I we were talking about. I said it was. I think it was David Shaw that was telling the story. He's like, you know, Andrew's such a humble guy. He won't say a bad word about anyone. And finally, I just said to him, 
what do you need? Like, just tell me something. You're getting killed out there. And he said, well, you know, play action doesn't work if you can't run the ball. And I said, you know, here's Tom, who's drafted a running back every single year. And again, I'm wondering if you're just kind of thinking back to how much that helps out your quarterback. Well, you, you look back, like I look back at experiences. Obviously, I was, I was an intern with the Bills, but I kind of saw how that was built. And then it was the Carolina Panthers when they were an expansion team. I saw how that was built and then a long time with the Colts. And you really can't, you can't copy or emulate. And I hate to do that because it just doesn't work. But you have to kind of take your own experiences in the fact. But yeah, you look back at, at different styles and what worked, what didn't work. Um, and yeah, we need to protect our quarterback, but we got to be able to run the ball when you have to run it. You know, when we have a lead in the fourth quarter, we got to be able to run the ball in the last yeah. four minutes to close games out. I mean, you close games out with pass rushers, but you also close it out with a run game in the fourth quarter. Um, so that all comes hand in hand. You got to win up front. Brandon said that prior from his first press conference on, you know, offensive line and defensive line. We got to win up front. We're closer to that now than we were a couple years ago. We're closer to that now than we were last year. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, when you have a franchise quarterback that's going to be here a long time, we have to invest in people around them, and it can't just be receivers and running backs. Tom, we've kept you a long time. Last one for me. I remember 2017. Good, because I got like six more. All right, I want to yeah, see him continue yeah, to yeah. roast in the sun. <laughs> we did this in 2017. I think it was like the first or second podcast we've ever done on Chargers Weekly. And this is when the team moved up here. We are doing it in that tent that you mentioned. Um, you fast forward to 2022. Um, I'm not saying it's just because it's prisoner at the moment. There is a buzz around this team among the fans. I think the fan base from what we've seen in 2017 to now, uh, the excitement with all the players that have come in, Justin, you name it. Um, people are very excited about this team. I know every year is a new beginning for you, but do you feel that kind of buzz uh, among the fan base right now? I think I do. I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of training camp. I think because when I was a kid, my dad would take me to training camps. Um, there's nothing better coming out here and be close to players and watching practice. I used to love it. So I love when I'm pulling up here in the morning just to see the lines of people lined up to come, us, to come out and watch us practice. And it's, I asked actually someone just before I walked over, I said, Is, are there more people here now than say three or four years ago? Are you seeing it grow? And they said, yes. I mean, I kind of see it. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm here, I'm not over by the stands, but just to see the excitement. I love how our players interact with the fans. It's a big part of being a professional player is interacting with the fans. Um, and our guys, we don't have to beg them to do it. I mean, they're over the fence. I mean, just, I think yesterday, the running backs were maybe signing or tight ends, not quarterbacks, but Justin's over there signing and, yeah. and, and seeing fans. So, um, yeah, you can feel it. And I think, you know, anytime you have an offense or an off season where you sign Khalil Mack and sign JC Jackson, That's like, all. like yeah. names that, that fans know. And you have number 10. Yeah, <laughs> it, so that kind of ramps it up a little bit rather than us, you know, you bring in a player that we really love, but maybe doesn't have the name recognition. And sure. That's not how you really build a team. But, you know, hey, there's, there's some players on here that they're really excited about. We're excited about it, too. Um, and I think people can see our growth from the last couple of years. I mean, last year, you know, we're a game from the playoffs. Mid-December, we're playing for a bye in the playoffs. Right. And then we just faded down the stretch. Yeah. So that was a big part of this offseason is, is, you know, what do we need to do to not fade in December? Uh, that's what is so disappointing. Um, but, you know, did what we could this offseason. We'll keep working on it. All right, last thing, and you can get out of the sun. You can answer this quickly if you want. But, you know, we've seen joint practices become more and more important with the lack of reps in, in game. You yep. mentioned all these big names you've signed. It's, yep. a, it's a, I mean, I don't know, five maybe new starters on defense. Like, can you give us an idea of what you and, and coach and the staff have talked about? How do we do enough but not too much in this preseason to make sure all yeah, these new pieces are good? It's the holy grail. Yeah. 
you know you, you <laughs> choose do, wisely yeah i mean you have to you have to practice you got to grind and practice um but you got to find that balance and uh i love the combined practices when you do it with with, with people you really respect um getting the cowboys in here will be great i mean they got a lot of talent um mike mccarthy does a great job and we can get a lot of work in a little bit more controlled environment you know the tempo is higher than practice but less than a game and then we can adjust things just based on position groups in case you have some, you know, some, maybe some muscle injuries, you know, because preseason game, once that ball's kicked off, there's no adjusting anything. Um, so we can kind of do it on our own terms here against good people at a higher tempo than practice. So um, I love it. You know, we did it with the Saints for a number of years. That was awesome. Um, I love being able to watch other teams' players up close live. I never get a chance to do that. You know, you can't go to anybody else's practices. But that is a big part of the NFL nowadays is, is these combined practices because you just don't want to expose too many guys in preseason games. And then you got the preseason games really come down to the players who need the work um, to try to earn a role and get them a lot of snaps um, rather than, you know, say a player goes in and gets, you know, five or six snaps um, in a preseason game for a young player. So that's the way we'll probably handle it, probably pretty similar to last year. And uh, hopefully that works out. I think it will. I love it. Tom, would you consider wearing the Oakley equivalent of those to joints against the Cowboys, the Pit Vipers? I just don't think I can pull it off. Of I know I can. can't pull saw, off that bucket hat. There's no it. way. Yeah, Gerald, Gerald pulls them off. Derwin pulls them off. I think you can pull them off. Yeah. Hey, I, I, we were back in Buffalo this summer. Lot, everywhere. Lot, everywhere. A lot of Pit Vipers. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. <laughs> a I mean, I've <laughs> seen one out here. One. You it's go back style. to Buffalo. Who? They're all over the place. Who's that Buffalo one? style in my blood. <laughs> Clearly. And I hate that there's video on my skinny legs club. I'm the president of the skinny legs club. This is going to be a miserable video for me. All right, Tom, you're cooking in your diehard bull club shirt. You're the son. best. We Thank you. Appreciate Thanks it. for having me on. Absolutely. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. you. Well, Monday, it's always fun to have Tom on during camp and uh, a lot of good insight. And hey, he agreed with everything you said regarding that luck. I was, I was right about all of that and I was wrong about how he would react. I figured he was, he would. He was all in on but it. But I think it speaks to, and look, I did. I hope it wasn't too Andrew Lucky in the the pod for all the Charger fans, but I, I bring it up and I draw the parallels because I think you can hear when Tom talks about Andrew Luck how just emotionally invested and excited he gets. Yeah. And that's what Justin Herbert does, and that's what he means to a team. And I think that's kind of the, the, the point that I was trying to convey and, and why you know Andrew and, and listening to that pod and, and, and recognizing the success of the Colts and how many people at the end of that pod were saying man if, if he doesn't retire remember that team made a run the last year it was the best season he'd ever had we're talking about probably a Super Bowl team and I think that's kind of where a lot of this conversation is now with uh, with the Chargers and with all the, the the people we're seeing out here at training camp I think there's absolute reason for all the excitement around around the country uh, about what this team can do. And you said it, it starts up front with that offensive line. And, and watching, I don't know, did you see the video of Corey Lindsley? Everyone's yeah. singing happy birthday yeah. to him. whole team. You, when you see the team come out, you see Slater and Zion and Filer. They're starting to become, like, household names in yeah. that, like, you know, like, you think of, like, some of those Cowboys teams and those Redskins teams in the 80s where, like, there was, like, those signature dudes, right? right. Like, I can see Slater, Johnson. Filer, Lindsay, like those are the names you're going to hear for the next several years. No doubt. And I mean, look, it, everybody knows. And, and Tom said it in that conversation. You know, the one thing that, you know, sometimes you don't get until the pads come on is defensive, offensive line. And yeah. that's that's where the money's made. You know, that's where the success comes. That's where the, the championships are won. So I'm excited for those joint practices to have Slater and Micah Parsons, to have Zion Johnson and Aaron Donald and kind of get through those matchups and see that competition and how these guys are holding up 
is going to be a lot of fun because without pads, you know, what are we doing? We're talking about Dean Leonard being sticky well, that's and, and Xander yeah. Vorbath looking good on special teams and moving well. Like, and it's great. Um, but it's, you know, we got, we got another week before we can get rid our next pod. I think we're going to have a little bit of a, a higher level of excitement about yeah, what we're watching it, out here. It's a great segue because it's day two of camp and Tom's right. The defense always ahead of the offense. I kind of saw that today. 100%. Oh yeah. Um, is there anything that you took out of the first two days of practice? Like that? It's hard to, notes? so yeah. it, one is, you know, I, I feel that, look, it's, it's first team all hype, but like, I like, you know, the special teams, our new special teams coaches, you know, there's, there's an energy there and there's, you know, and you're seeing just sort of how much time is being spent. I'm not saying anything against coach Swinton from last year, but just kind of, I've been over on that side of the field and watching it and watching the operation. Uh, I had the old stopwatch out yesterday and I know there's no rush that it's not a heavy rush, but I'm watching, you know, time from snap to punt, hang time on punts for JK, like stuff like that is going to make a difference because it made a difference last year. So, um, and, and I think that's where our conversations about Horbath and Jasir Taylor and Dean Leonard are coming in, you know, this new group of guys that are hopefully going to make, you know, special teams uh, an important component and a, and a, and a difference-making component of this team. Yeah, and I, I like Tom talking about the right tackles, and, and that's just another position that it, when the Pats come on next week, yeah. we'll get a much clearer picture as to what that will look like as we get to that first yeah, preseason game. No doubt. I think, look, I, I told this story on the air yesterday on Petros and Money. I said, you know, I, I first day out here, and you remember the numbers from last year, but, you know, for me, 52 is Denzel Perriman. You know, it just was that way for so long. Yeah, 98, so. Isaac Rochelle, 27. Hey, Coach. How are you? <laughs> What's up, Coach? <laughs> yes, I, uh, it's a podcast, yeah, but it's fine. Podcast. People yeah. love this. Yeah. So they, they love when uh, they know that we're in the middle of it. And I know. And the, and the pit vipers. I said can the you, good can thing you is. Can the pit vipers? That's, I, that's exactly what I said to Tom. I was like, I look like an idiot, but everybody knows I'm an idiot. So it's, was Shane rocking flip-flops? My guy. Well, you know what happens? This is too inside. the. It makes your feet wider. So when you wear flip-flops all summer long, the second you put on tennis shoes, it feels weird until, because it condenses your feet. And it's, you're just like uncomfortable because I've been wearing flip-flops for four months now. I will. I absolutely will. Thanks, coach. See you, coach. This is always better than Zoom, right? Yeah, it is. Coach Felix yeah, comes in exactly. and Makes sparks looks. up a combo. For those of you that haven't visited the YouTube, go ahead, look. I, I, a, I'm literally, if I were to put my legs together, I'm so, I'm so president of the Skinny Leg Club. I mean this literally. Kyle Van Noy's, one of his legs is wider than two of mine condensed because I've got bird legs, that genetics that were passed on to me from my father's side of the family. Sadly, I didn't get my mom's side. The Easter, we, you know, my mom's side of the family, Croatian, Hungarian, big block-headed Eastern Europeans, thick trunks, my old man, <laughs> freaking Irish, English, French, and all skinny-legged, and I got that freaking genetic. Well, if you see me tomorrow, this is Thursday. If you see me on Friday, I'm scorching right now. I'm going to be very red. Yeah. Very, uh, we better we better cut it off. Let's, let's wrap it up. Brian we'll, we'll see you next us. week. Yes, yeah, Brian Sabbath. Right in the middle of the sun here. Right. No, we love it, man. It's good to be out here. We'll see you guys next Thursday. We'll have another guest here in this third chair. We don't know who. Somebody good. Somebody. Somebody. We'll see you next time.